Hello and welcome to Pound the Rock, an NBA podcast by The Score. I'm your host, William Liu. I'm joined in studio by Joe Wolfon. What up? And uh, Cash remains uh, MIA. He's you know traveling all around the world, collecting stamps in his passports. So in his place, we have Will Sear. Yo. Uh, we are here to discuss... Um, you know the winners and losers of the NBA offseason. No, it's not entirely original, but also like the offseason is mostly wrapped up, and this is an easy way for us to sort of touch on sort of teams that we don't usually get to. Uh, we'll start in the East, and then we'll take a break, and then we'll come back and talk about the West. Um, we're going to talk about the East winners first. Start with some positives, and uh, we'll each go around and give one. So, Wolfon, who's your biggest winner uh, in the Eastern Conference from this summer? Um- Speaking of teams we don't get to talk about often, uh, my, my Eastern Conference winner is the Toronto Raptors. Wow, we never talk about the Raptors. <laughs> um, and look, to me, I just think that of all the teams in the conference, by far they are the team that most upgraded its projection and, and its potential ceiling. And to get Kawhi Leonard, I know it's only for a year. I know there are a lot of question marks about his commitment level, his health. But to get a player who, when we last saw him, was a legitimate MVP candidate, uh, inarguably, I think, the best two-way player in the game, one of the best perimeter defenders that we have ever seen, to get a player who could conceivably be that again, or you know, even if he's anywhere close to that, I think they got probably the best player in the Eastern Conference. And they did it without uh, giving up four of their five best prospects. Um, I'm on record many places uh, as, as being incredibly fond of Jakob Pertl's game, but to me, he was the most replaceable of all those young guys, and they keep OG Ananobi, they keep Pascal Siakam, they keep Fred Van Vliet, they keep DeLon Wright, and they also get Danny Green in the deal, um, and, and they suddenly go from being a team that was really kind of flimsy on the wing, uh, didn't have a lot of depth there, didn't have a lot of good two-way players. Suddenly, they're they're flush with two-way wings, and I just think they're going to be so much more versatile. Um, you know, again, assuming that Kawhi is healthy and, and something close to what we saw at his peak, um, they, to me, put themselves into that conversation with the Celtics as being, you know, the co-favorite, I think, in the East. And coming into the offseason, it was kind of hard to see you know where they were going to go was it going to be something close to a teardown were there going to be some tweaks around the margins that would maybe give them like these kind of narrow improvements that might just like make them uh, a little bit more matchup proof in the playoffs what they did I think was kind of shocking um, and uh, I think that was a home run trade for them I you know we're not going to know anything about what Nick Nurse can do as an NBA coach until we see it, but I do think that uh, bringing in a new voice was pretty necessary. Um, so I think you know they are the team to me that that imp- that raised their ceiling the most, and uh, and that's why they're my winner. Um, I think my I agree with you on everything else in terms of just strictly basketball speaking. Like the Raptors have hit the ceiling, you know they've been to the playoffs five years in a row. They couldn't get over the hump. Whether you think that's related to LeBron or um, some of the own issues that they had, I mean. It's hard to just say it was all LeBron, right? Because the Raptors had performed way worse against LeBron as compared to other teams. Uh, and also just they sort of have consistently underperformed. But I guess my only concern with the Raptors this summer is sort of just like, did they take a PR hit? Because, you know, we talked about that in like one of last week's podcasts that we did with JYD. And, like, you know, he was mentioning how, like, yeah, you know, that reputation is going to stick with Messiah Jerry for a while. And do you think that, like, there's going to be some way they can – 
I don't know, ease that? Because at least if you look at Danny Ainge, right? Like, I think everyone agreed that he did Isaiah Thomas dirty. Um, but no one talks about that a year later because the Kyrie trade worked out so well and Kyrie's played really well and they had a great season. And so people forgot about that. Like, do you think that that sort of is there like that redemption possibility for for the Raptors when it comes to their negative reputation? Because, you know, they did lose the coach of the year and their franchise player and both of them are mad at the franchise. I think it might color some things in the future. You know, if if Masai Ujiri makes a promise to somebody, maybe it'll mean less than it would have meant a month ago. But at the end of the day, if this is successful, um, if they go to the finals, if they're able to keep Kawhi Leonard, if they're able to remain a top-shelf team, I think that that's all that's going to matter, and the rest of the stuff is going to fade in time, as it always does. I mean, like we've said, like you can go through the league and look at pretty much every team and surely you know at some point in the recent past they've had a situation like this where they haven't necessarily treated their players with the utmost respect it happens um it's it's a cold business sometimes and certainly you know Masai didn't come out of this looking great but at the end of the day I think he made the best possible basketball move that he could have made and I think you know bottom line that's the most important things for players in the league and that's what they're going to look at first and foremost in the future to be fair quote-unquote like loyal is one thing it, but he came out looking smart you know like he made the right decision and I think a lot of people are recognize that uh, at the end of the day it doesn't really matter especially if he does resign that's all going to go away pretty quickly just like you said so it was the right move and the raps are a lot better because of it and you know if they come back with the same team they're probably on par with the Sixers maybe a year of having Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Right. Now they're ahead of the Sixers, and I think that's unquestionable. If they get a healthy Kawhi Leonard, so now they're on par with the Boston Celtics instead. I don't know if they're going to win 59 games again. I doubt it because they had continuity, uh, continuity and depth last year. Now they just have depth, which isn't a bad thing, but they have a player that's a lot better than DeMar DeRozan. So mm-hmm. it's the right move, and they're a lot better for it, and that's going to show in the postseason at least – at least I think, all, I think we all agree on that at least, right? So Yeah, they took their two biggest areas of weakness, I think, which was wing defense and reliable three-point shooting, mm-hmm. and they addressed both of those in a huge, yeah. huge way. Yeah. So he's a terrific player as well, so that's, that's definitely a good pickup for them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. To, to me, they're an easy winner in the East. Yeah, I think – I mean, for sure. I think there's just like we're – we may be glossing over the downside a little bit. And like maybe that's just me playing devil's advocate because I think I, I agree with all that you guys have said. Um, but, I mean, there is that possibility that, look, Kawhi, maybe he's not healthy. Maybe he's not necessarily the most motivated. Maybe, um, you know, his agent sort of causes issues sort of the way um, he did in San Antonio. And I, I don't know. I mean, I could see potential issues coming up, but, I mean – yeah, for all the reasons you mentioned. Like, I think the Raptors are the biggest and most obvious winner in the Eastern Conference because, look, they went from a team that was sort of fading out of relevance to a team that's suddenly in the conversation with Boston. I ultimately think Boston's a little bit better because they have, you know, more scores than the Raptors do. But um, the Raptors are pretty close uh, to the top of the conference. And if that translates to a finals appearance, I mean, this is, this is the Raptors we're talking about, right? This is not like... Uh, historically dominant franchise where it's like, oh, whatever, we go to the finals. And then the Raptors, 
up until like two years ago, they haven't even won a seven-game playoff series after like 20-plus years of existence. They so. hang division banners in their building. I mean, that, that says it all right there, I They think, stopped, so. though. They stopped. They, they hung three, and they were like, that's enough. That's enough. <laughs> that's enough. We don't need one to... They kept the Bon Jovi banner, though. It's the most important thing. So. Uh, that's yeah. their biggest accomplishment, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing that JOD also mentioned, right? Like, you know, you look up, and you look up into the stands, and there's a lot of hockey banners and uh, not necessarily uh, basketball banners. Okay, Will. Your biggest winner in the Eastern Conference outside of the Raptors? The Indiana Pacers. And they were extremely good last year for what we all thought they were going to be. I think a lot of people didn't even have them in the playoffs, especially with the way Victor Oladipo kind of surpassed expectations and became an all-star out of nowhere. Uh, He's starting to live up to that contract, even above it. Uh, But what they've done this offseason has been excellent from a depth perspective and they haven't really done anything where it's like all right well now they're going to contend with the Celtics or the Raptors but they've made moves that are safe smart and will potentially take them to a level above they were uh, where they were last season Um, I don't know if that means getting past the first round but they're going to look a lot better at the very least like they went to seven games with Cleveland but We saw how the Cavaliers performed against them. Uh, McDermott was a little overpaid by them. Uh, Still a nice pickup, gives them a good shooter on the perimeter, and they definitely needed that. Uh, Kylo Quinn's a nice third or fourth big man off the bench. Like He's he's not a bad basketball player. He should be able to give them what they need next to Sabonis or next to Miles Turner. Uh, But the Tyreek Evans deal, the one year, what was it, $12 million? Like We're talking about a guy that's replacing Lance Stevenson. He averaged 25-5 and last year. He shot 40% from three. Like. That's a significant upgrade. They didn't have that secondary playmaker outside of Collison and Victor Oladipo. And um, now to have that arguably their second best playmaker on the roster, you know, that's that's a big deal for them. Um, bringing in uh, Aaron Holiday as well, the second best Holiday brother. Sorry, Justin. Uh, he's going he's gonna to be a nice backup point guard to start off his career, but he can eventually take over for Darren Collison. Um, I don't know if it'll happen anytime soon, but... Overall, like I don't think they made any bad moves. So, like credit to them. I'm gonna disagree and say that the McDermott move was a bad move. Um, an oh. overpay, yes. It but was I mean, an it was it's a small scale move yeah. too. So. I just think okay. Here's my thing. I think if they were going to pick up that option on Bogdanovich, then that should have been their guy. Like I don't think they needed to do both of those things because they're very similar players uh, to, to my mind. Um, I do so, think Bogdanovich is better though. Then, you know, Personally. I think they, they could have picked up his option and not gone the McDermott route. I just didn't really get that contract, especially the fact that it happened basically right at midnight yeah. at the start of free agency. Um, but I, I agree with everything else. And I, I really like the, them getting Tyreek. And I feel like the expectation for them should be to win a first-round series. You know, they were so close to doing so last yeah. year against the team that ultimately won the conference. Yeah. I, I think that they, you know, should have that expectation. They're going to be a top-four team, and they're going to win a round. And that's fair. It's, it's fair to expect them to. I just don't know, like... If they're going to get the fourth seed, for instance, or even if they uh, leapfrog over Philadelphia, which is a possibility, uh, then you have to you have to potentially play Washington or Milwaukee, and not to like toot the horn of the Wizards with their outstanding offseason that they've had. That was a little bit of sarcasm. I, yeah, I almost couldn't I, see my I, face. <laughs> I was going to say I, I might have. I, I briefly considered putting the Wizards on here purely for bands because <laughs> you could really talk a Wizards fan yeah. into believing this just really to let could. them down. Yes, know? of course. Um, but, I mean, if you get the Wizards, a healthy Wizards team in the playoffs, like that's going to be a tough out for a team like Indiana. I mean, they, Dwight Howard, for as big of a pain in the butt that he is, he's he could still do some things on the court. And Bradley Beal's a very good basketball player, and John Wall's a very good, uh, good basketball player. And then the Bucks have Giannis, and 
they added Brooke Lopez. So if that's the team that you're running into in the postseason, it's it's just hard to it's it's easy to believe that they might get eliminated even if even with home court advantage in the uh, in the first round. Well, they're a team also who I think could maybe swing an in season trade. Fair. And I've said this many times before. They're my favorite potential Kemba Walker destination. Mm. I would love to see that backcourt in That'd action if they can make that happen somehow. But I feel like they have enough. They've cobbled together enough sort of interesting pieces and, and kind of like mid-level salaries for matching purposes that they could put a package together for a guy like Kemba who isn't expiring and who might potentially be on the block. So uh, they're a team, I think, to keep an eye on. I, I right now would probably slot them in fourth in the East behind the Raptors, Celtics, and Sixers. But the Bucks are definitely in that conversation. The Wizards probably on the fringes of that conversation as well. So... You know, that said, I, I, I definitely don't think the Pacers got worse. I think they probably got slightly better. I don't know if they got as much better as they could have, but I do think they got better. And I'm excited to see what Oladipo does next year, too, Fair. because yeah. I think we all are. He was yeah. a lot of fun last year. Man, it's awesome. Um, I think the underrated thing about the Indiana thing is that they've also kept their flexibility moving forward. Like, they only have $32 million guaranteed in salaries for 2019 um thaddeus young tyreek bojan uh darren collison Corey joseph um but mcdermott got three O'Quinn. years and that does bug me yeah i yeah, mean it's it weird they're yeah, only two contracts long term right now are oladipo and mcdermott which is a very strange combination yes. um but like you know it's not like indiana's ever going to be huge players in free agency but they if oladipo continues to prog like just make improvements the way he is like, that's not a bad situation next year where you can say, like, hey, you can come here and play with Victor. Like, that's probably Indiana's best free agency pitch ever, right? Like, who, who was their biggest free agency get before this? Like, David West? Like, getting Lance Stevenson back? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, seriously. I mean, they might even miss Lance a little bit just for sort of the uh, emotional yeah. connection he had with the, the home fans it's there. It's the but... only team he's ever played well for, just FYI. He sucked on the, wow. on the Hornets. He sucked on the Clippers. No, it's 100% true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, good but luck, Lakers. That's also kind of why I think that the trade route might be good for them, you know, because that's a way that they can get a star sure. and right. then, you know, acquire their bird rights of and, and sell them on the team and on the culture and, and keep them, you cool. know, uh, and that's sort of what we're seeing with the Raptors, right? Of course. Getting Kawhi with the year left and hoping to, you know, well, pitch him pitch him on the future of that franchise and keep him long-term. Like, I think the Pacers could kind of try and do something similar. Well, they got rid of Paul George and ended up working in the favor of the guy that they traded, right? So... They got themselves an excellent basketball player, and like Sabonis is terrific as well. Like not to discredit him, yeah. he's a very good basketball player as well. Um, but getting rid of Paul George, thinking, oh, he's going to LA anyway. Who cares? We'll get rid of him and get a couple of nice pieces. He's now with the with the Thunder for an extra four years, so it could work out in their favor for sure. Yeah, the only thing I regret in terms of if I were the Pacers is like the players I draft <laughs> because like it's just it's, it's TJ not, Leaf it's yeah, that yeah was TJ Leaf that is was... not inspiring like Ike uh, Annie Gobu is like also not I, I think I butchered that but I mean like he hasn't also really panned out yet like I don't know man but the Pacers Aaron Holiday doing will a lot pan out I'm, I'm confident, confident in this as, okay. as the resident draft guy <laughs> yeah. I'm confident that Aaron Holiday will be a good basketball just player just love UCLA players eh? apparently yeah. do you think that Miles Turner has like another jump in him, he where should. he can kind of get to like borderline all star type. He of level. was disappointing last year. Like yeah. he wasn't what you expected from him, and right. I think a lot of that was because Old Depot was so good. But now you have him as your number two guy. You're not relying as Miles Turner to be your guy anymore. Mm-hmm. If you but can, that should have that should have helped him. You know, like those, those guys basically running pick and pop 
in theory, it was kind be of unstoppable. It was and, kind of shocking that it was almost like him and Sabonis were interchangeable. It didn't really necessarily matter right. that much who, which one of them was on the floor because Sabonis played really well. He played above expectations, but then Turner played below. But this is a season where he can kind of come in where he's healthy at the start of the year and hopefully he performs for for his sake, right? But he's a nice player. I think he can. I think he should be capable of doing it. I think that's that's what you mentioned. Like it's it's the Sabonis thing that's really like complicated. That it's it's not a bad problem to have to have like two very capable players but especially because it means you know maybe that means one of them is expendable right right either sure. of those guys would be a really good trade chip for sure but the tricky thing is like turner only has one year left on his deal before he becomes a restricted free agent and you probably don't quite want to trade sabonis because it feels mm-hmm. like sabonis i don't know just was a little bit better of a passer i think turner is a bit uh, i don't I think know you if his want, potential is higher defensively yeah. but he can definitely score better yeah yeah um but i mean yeah look the, look the pacers I think they they added enough because I think if they just sort of brought the whole team back, which it looked like they were going to do for for a minute before they they added Tyreek and and also um, you know a solid bet in Kyle Quinn, but um, I, there was some concern on my part from Indiana because like I feel like in the East the easiest jump to make is to like get to that forty five win plateau, and then um, the the harder jump is sort of how you get from above forty five wins to above fifty wins to being in the upper echelon of the fran- of the. Uh, the conference and you know if you, you look at washington right <laughs> like they're they're a team that sort of perpetually struggled with this like, for literally decades capped um, off at 49 wins all the time so yeah exactly <laughs> that's, the, that's right? the best they'll ever do yeah and like i think the pacers if they had just brought everyone back like they might have had like this sort of um just regression just sort of simply based on the fact that like sort of okay we've made it you know you look at the Wizards, you look at the the Bucks, the Raptors had this after 2014 and 2015. They were pretty much the same team, if not a little bit worse. Uh, Miami had this after their really crazy uh, run to finish the year when they still missed the playoffs. And then the year after, they only got the eighth seed uh, or the, the seventh seed. Um, six yeah, seed. I mean, was it the sixth seed? Sixth seed. Wow. I don't want to shortchange you guys. Do you guys <laughs> all have like the same win-loss win record too? Um, we had one more win than uh, – I no. shouldn't say we – that's <laughs> well, okay. Then, okay. Uh, we're gonna talk about the habits. Uh, they had one more win than uh, the Wizards. Okay, they were at forty-four. Huge accomplishment. <laughs> uh, um, I yeah. take pride in that. Forty-four. The Wizards. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like you know, I, I like that Indiana didn't just like completely stamp in. They did add Tyreek, and honestly, if he really buys in that six-man role, like he's been really good in it before. Like when we saw with the Pelicans. Um, the last thing I will say about that is that. And I don't want to harp on this too much, but mm-hmm. they had a lot of flexibility, and they could have had like uh, you know enough cap room basically to make a run at somebody like Aaron Gordon, which was reported for a minute that they were going to do. Right? Maybe the Magic would have matched, but I think for them, maybe this was the summer to take a swing. Really? Because well, I'm just thinking like so few other teams had cap space, and I just felt like that was a good opportunity for them to roll the dice because yeah, they have uh, flexibility for the future, but it was like you were saying, they're not really a free agent player so i feel like this was a good opportunity for them to to try and you know find like a long-term value guy like gordon could be um or like a julius randall type you know somebody like that where there isn't necessarily a huge market for them and maybe you go more for term and you don't necessarily value like you know short-term flexibility but you think like here's a guy who could be a long-term piece and really boost our our ceiling in the future i do wonder if a guy like Aaron Gordon, they kind of avoided giving him too much money because they have high hopes for guys like uh, Sabonis and Miles Turner. I mean, I'd still, 
I mean, those guys I think, are both fives to me, though. They are. Yeah, they I don't, kind of I don't need disagree a long-term four. Yeah, yeah. I don't right. disagree with that. But I, I wonder if they are afraid to pay a guy like Gordon, who is kind of a tweener. Um, and, I mean, you have a couple of bigs that you're probably going to have to pay eventually. Does that does that scare them away? Does that make them hesitate from uh, from paying other guys? Like, maybe next summer is what they're Hasn't looking for. Hasn't scared the to? magic away from adding, like, every single big man prospect they can. Well, so. The magic are not a team you want to replicate. <laughs> yeah, but, I, don't, uh, I don't know if anybody wants to be like I'm Orlando just saying, right I think it's like you get the talent and you figure the rest out later. Fair. That's true. Fair. All right. Um, real quickly, I'm going to wrap up the East winners. I'm going to pick the Knicks. Um, look, the Knicks didn't really do much this summer, and I think that's the point. Right, you you, you got to understand. You don't just go from zero to one hundred real quick. All right, you go from what the Knicks were, which is like minus one hundred, and they got to like about minus twenty, which is a nice jump. Right, you really have to consider everything in context. And look, the Knicks didn't ruin their cap space moving forward. They didn't try to expedite any sort of rebuild by signing these old washed up vets the way Phil Jackson tried to. Um. They just signed Mario Hazonia and called it a day, and they drafted <laughs> Kevin Knox, and he generated a lot of buzz. Yep. You know, Mitchell Robinson led summer league in blocks, and I think I've heard Knicks fans talk about you know Mitchell Robinson's blocks all summer. Um, and I don't know, man. I think look, what they needed to do this summer was to sort of just like take a second, uh, sort of recoup, um, sort of get Chris Stapps back into camp and you know Chris Tapps I mean he's under contract and everything like that but he wasn't happy with the franchise he's been rehabbing in Madrid over New York because you know part of that is because he's not happy with New York and you know he had to go through trade rumors and everything like that um you know they bring in this new regime under Scott Perry and I guess Steve Mills um and they bring in David Fisdale who is a great coach in terms of just managing relationships he's gone out to Latvia with his wife to see Chris Tapps and his family Chris Tapps seems pretty happy about all of that and, like, you're, you're just laying down the groundwork where next summer they're going to try their best to become a fridge and destination. You're already hearing whispers that Kyrie might go there. You're hearing whispers that Jimmy Butler wanted, wants to team up with Kyrie and their best friends, apparently, which is weird because they seem like two totally different people. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe Kevin Durant. I, I, I doubt that one very, very much, but who knows? It's the Knicks. And so uh, it obviously remains to be seen whether – they actually get guys out there, but the fact that they showed patience for even one year is, is is a good sign because, look, honestly, the Knicks are a sleeping giant. They just really need to stop getting in their own way, and this is the summer they didn't get in their own way. So next summer, honestly, if they can find a salary dump for both Joe Keem and um, you know Courtney Lee, who are both on expiring deals next summer, they could have as much as $70 million in cap room. Like and, that's, and that's, that's a wild. team that... You can make the argument that the best free agent signing in the East was David Fisdale. You can make a legit argument that this is the case <laughs> because, like, he's a he's a player's coach. Guys like him, and you're putting him in New York, and yeah. maybe somebody wants to go ahead and play for that, especially with all the cap space. So that could be an exciting thing. Maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit, but yeah. it, it definitely couldn't hurt. Do you? I mean, he has that player coach label, but was he not fired from Memphis because he was feuding with the best player on the? And business? everybody blamed Mark Gasol. All right, right. <laughs> remember that. I'm just Keep saying, you know, mind. like, and, and I like what he did with Chris Tapps this summer. You know, he went out to Latvia with his wife, and they had some fun over there, and they enjoyed sure. themselves. Yeah. And Chris Tapps seems very happy. So this is a good sign. It's a good start to maybe some good things in the future for the Knicks for once. <laughs> okay. Um, Let's move on to the losers in the Eastern Conference, Wolf Fund. You wanted to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers, who uh, promised big things and came up with Wilson Chandler? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, this is kind of... I'll qualify this by saying I, I think there are teams in the East who had worse off-seasons than the Sixers. But given the expectations uh, that the Sixers had going into this offseason, there's talk about LeBron James, there's talk about Paul George, they're talking about maybe putting together a Kawhi trade package. Oh, they were talking about LeBron and Kawhi. Right. There was a lot of buzz about, you know, kind of where that team is and how good they could get with, with the cap space that they had. And what, you know, yeah, they, they didn't really get much out of it other than they get Wilson Chandler and they get that second round pick from the Nuggets, which I thought was a nice piece of business, honestly. Uh, they didn't compromise their long-term flexibility, but this seemed like it was lining up to be a huge, huge summer for them, mm-hmm. and it didn't really work out that way. Now, if this does prove to be the summer where Markel Fultz fixes his jump shot and he turns out to be the player a lot of us expected him to be, different story. You know, this is a huge summer for them and a huge win. That's all they right. really need to happen to take that next step. But at the end of the day, I mean, they didn't, they didn't really raise their floor at all. Like, their ceiling could be, I mean, who really knows, you know, how good Joel Embiid could get, how good Ben Simmons can get. But, like, there are major health concerns about Joel Embiid, and there are still concerns about whether Ben Simmons is ever going to be able to shoot at even an average level. And there are obviously huge question marks about Markel Fultz. And so I know, like, it was a really feel-good season for that team that had been so bad for so long. There was a ton of excitement about them. They win 16 games in a row down the stretch of the season and blitz through the first round of the playoffs, and then they kind of hit that wall. And, you know, there was understandably a lot of excitement and enthusiasm about that team, and we were talking about them as maybe being favorites in the East after the first round because they had looked better than any other East team. But the bottom could still kind of fall out on them. And, I mean, I, I just feel like they needed some sense of security that they didn't really give themselves this summer. Yeah. Also, let's not forget the Brian Colangelo stuff. Right. <laughs> not a great look for the that's, franchise. That's I a mean, loss. you could say that's that, a loss right there. Okay. Well, that could yeah. be a loss or a plus. It, it depends. It depends what happens. Right. I mean, like losing they, Brian Colangelo is not a bad thing, but I think what happened, how it happened, is pretty hilarious and kind of a loss. There. It's strange. Yeah. And there's a lot of details I got out there, like yeah, about yeah. Markel Fultz and his relationship to his trainer and. Um, Brian Colangelo is oh, the big man. loser of the offseason. Yeah. At the end. Oh, that's biggest one for sure. That's for sure. But. The whole Colangelo family, actually. Even <laughs> yeah. Jerry's getting out of that situation. The weird thing about that, though, and where I feel like they maybe took the biggest L, was like they did still have a chance to spin that into a positive by, you know, Colangelo's out the door. Mm. David Griffin's around. You know, they made a play to get Daryl Morey. Like, they have not hired cr- a GM yet. And all this stuff is happening this offseason where, like, LeBron James is switching teams and, like, they had, like, a big draft night trade. Like, yeah. all this stuff's happening and, and the Sixers don't have a GM, you know? Yeah, like, it's not good. It's 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 not a good look. And like the thing is though, like I guess if you just look at the moves in a in, in a vacuum, like look, if LeBron wasn't going to join the team, then LeBron just wasn't going to join the team. But like, um, I, I guess you got to give credit to Brett Brown and whoever else is running basketball over there that um, they did make some okay trades. Like at the draft when they got uh, an extra first round pick from um, the Suns, I think that was from the Grand Dragons trade. It's a yep. Heat pick. Like that's 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 not Unprotected a bad pick as well. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like that's not a bad addition um but like i mean ultimately if you promise all that and then it doesn't come through and you end up getting surpassed by the raptors who made a trade for Kawhi, and it's an in in division rival as well like i don't know man it's it's a a tough existence for sixers fans i guess just to temporarily have their hearts broken um 
Speaking of hearts breaking, Sixers fans um, rejoiced when they smacked up the Miami Heat. Who will? You're going to talk about how your Heat um, were disappointing this offseason. Why were you disappointed? I mean, what did what'd you, what'd you think they were going to do? I didn't expect too, too much. I would have traded Whiteside for a garbage bin at this point. Like, he's just... Mm. You, you have that broken relationship between him and the coach. And you have some fans that are like, oh, it's Spo's fault. In no way is it Spo's fault. Wait, who's saying it's Spo's fault? There are some ridiculous fans it's, out there. Is it Whiteside's burner account? I'm pretty Does sure Whiteside Whiteside's have stands? Whiteside <laughs> has some stands. Oh, my God. Whiteside has legit stands. Fantasy and basketball fans. That's, it that's is cool. insane. Like, he cannot defend the perimeter whatsoever. He is lazy in defending the post. He had one good game against Embiid, and that's the only thing that some Heat fans will talk about. Like, if he just, he could do that anytime he wants. If he does that, then we'll be fine. We should have dealt him for nothing, but we had nothing available because he's too damn expensive. Right. Uh, Tyler Johnson is still there. Tyler Johnson's making 19 million the next two seasons. That's That's so funny. No one talks about that. It is ridiculous. And I mean, I, I personally thought that he'd be a nice fit in Sacramento. Like that's kind of the guy that they should go for. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think he's that much worse than Zach Levine. He's at the very least a much better defender than Zach Levine. So right. why not just take him off our hands? Not Come nearly on. as sexy to watch Tyler Johnson. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. I'm not buying a ticket to see Tyler Johnson. I might buy a ticket to see Zach Levine. Probably would. Yeah. Uh, Zach Lowe pitched on his podcast maybe like a Tyler Johnson for Ryan Anderson swap where the Sixers pull in a draft pick uh, in that deal. Yeah, would and I can see that. that. I would not mind it. I mean, at the end of the day, it's the same contract pretty much, and you're getting rid of a shooting. They have like six shooting guards if Dwayne Wade comes back on this roster. Like, you have too many wing players on this team, and you can't play them anywhere. Uh, James Johnson is making $45 million over the next three years, and I like James Johnson, and I like that he likes to fight people, and it's fun, and he's not a bad basketball player, but at the same time, do you want to pay... James Johnson, $45 million over the next three years? Probably not. <laughs> I don't think anybody wants to. He might have been your but best player was, in the playoffs, though. That was a last season He's, decision. He was up though. there, unfortunately. But. All this stuff, like the situation they're in, they're in because of last offseason and not yeah. this one. To me. You I know. know. Like, they gave they those huge contracts to Waiters and James Johnson and Kelly Olynyk. Like, I like Kelly Olynyk. Kelly Olynyk was a good contract. And that, and that deal is that. probably the best of all yeah, of those. For sure. Just the fact that they gave him in that, that contract in conjunction with the contracts that they yeah. gave to James Johnson yeah. and Dion Waiters, like I feel like makes it look a little bit worse because now they're consigned to this team that they have for the next three yeah. years. Yeah. And, you know, they have a bloated payroll and no real way to get off of these contracts. So you're talking about trading Whiteside. I don't think they're getting off of Whiteside without attaching a first rounder. I don't think so either. I don't disagree with that. And that's, I was kind of hoping they'd find a way, you know, you, you, I think, if you're in that situation, you kind of hope you can find a way to let go of a guy like that. You don't want to be dealing with him for the next couple of years, especially if he has a broken relationship with the coach. Um, I think the offseason two years ago is what hurts more than last year. At least that's how I feel right now, because at the very least, you can get a good Deion Waiters season, no matter what people think of him. Like He was hurt all last year. Even when he was playing, he played the first half, the first two months of the season. He just... You could tell he was he was messing around with that ankle issue. Like he, mm-hmm. he just didn't look like himself. Which it's not like Deion Waiters is a world beater, but he was really good for the Heat a couple years ago. And that during that uh, long like that nice stretch run where uh, they won thirty one oh, in the last forty the game winner against the Warriors. Yeah, that was awesome. That was so much fun. And I mean, that was worth like, fifty million dollars. Hell yeah, of course. <laughs> and then Kelly Olynyk was a really good pickup for them last year. Uh, you know, Kelly Olynyk yeah, had a great season last year. Uh, last season, you know. So I, I think outside of the James Johnson one, which at least James Johnson is somewhat playable. Like those three, they're, they're bad contracts for a team that wants some cap flexibility. But when you're looking at the Tyler Johnson deal that just ballooned up to that 38 million, and you're looking at the Whiteside deal that has where he still owed 52 and a half million. 
it's it's an absolute killer. And I mean, I love Goran Dragic. I think he's a lot of fun to watch. Um, but this was probably the best time to trade him. But the problem is you had no point guard to replace him on that roster. His, his trade value is probably better now than it's been in a it's going to be in the future. He right. just he just came off of an all-star season, you know, whether it was deserved or not. You, I don't know what you're going to do. you got to rely on those three youngins, and that's that's all you really have outside of the, the Dwayne Wade retirement year if he comes back. Yeah, I think that was a strange thing about, like, what you said in terms of the past two offseasons before this one, right? Because um, it, it seemed at the time that they were locking in an eight seed, and now they've pretty much locked up an eight seed. And it's just weird because if you're Miami, right, and then after the coup you were able to pull off in 2010 by getting LeBron and D. Wade and everything like that um, – you know, like, you should try to keep your cap room open and, and try to use that to lure free agents. It's not like – it's like one thing of, like, the Milwaukee tried, like, stuffed up their cap room, which they did, right? And it's like, okay, fine. They were going to get people to come to Milwaukee anyway. But Miami's different. No state tax. It's the weather. It's perfect. It's a good organization. Um, yeah, it's it's perplexing. I agree with you there. That's a really good, like – sorry to, to drag this out no, a little bit. But, like, if, you know, we're talking about optics. We're talking about the Raptors. And, like, this is a really interesting point of comparison because the Heat really pride themselves on being an organization that takes care of its players – and those guys had like an incredible run to close the season two years ago. And, you know, the Heat decided these guys put out for us, like we're going we're gonna to bring them all back and we're going to give them what we think they're worth. You know, our ceiling be damned. You know, our long-term flexibility be damned. Like, so if you're a player in the league, are you looking at that and being like, that's an organization I want to play for? Or Wait, they you know, can you afford the mini team that, that, that is making shrewd decisions to make the team as good as it can possibly be? Like, I think that's really interesting, and that that to me is like the the um, sort of point of comparison for what we're talking about with the Raptors. Like, what do people value? Um, and the Heat, I don't know. I mean, the future doesn't look super promising for them right now. So not, not for the next couple of years, at least. Yeah. So that's that's actually a really good point. I like that point. Speaking of not a promising future, I'm going to pick the Cavaliers as my loser in the Eastern Conference. I mean, look, you lost LeBron, so like you're on on going to be a loser. I don't think they're going to be as bad. As when LeBron left last time, like I don't know, they're not gonna go for sixty to twenty wins. You mean they're not gonna get four first overall picks in a row? Or? Well, we'll see. What, we'll see about that. We'll see about that. When Bronny Junior ends up uh, hitting the draft, we'll, yeah. we'll see who gets number one pick. Um, but um, man, the rest of the moves are just also not that inspiring. Like I guess you know we talked about this in last week's pod too, but like the Kevin Love extension is just like not entirely movable. Um, and it's so it's a little bit strange as to why they signed him to that. Um, yeah, they've locked in to become mediocre, which I guess is actually kind of a plus for Cleveland if you can actually compete for the playoffs. But there's no guarantee they'll make the playoffs. And, and honestly, if anyone watched last year's finals, that team that team struggled without LeBron. And so, I don't know, Rodney Hood's still up in the air. They should try to re-sign him, but obviously he's a restricted free agent and no one else is going to sign him. So at this point, you know, he's probably i don't know he might even take the qualifying offer with him he's obviously not happy with the Cavs for how they how much they squeezed him um and also like they weren't able to offload any of their big like veteran contracts that were signed one during lebron's tenure and like i don't know tristan thompson could probably still hold some value to some team he's performing in the playoffs like and he's versatile defensively like it, obviously he's getting paid a little bit too much but plus he smacked up draymond right like that's worth the contract alone, i was gonna say it? yeah that's also one of the reasons i got the Cavs as a loser because apparently they're gonna hold a parade for tristan thompson's oh that's so like sad. smacking up 
Draymond, like, really? That's, That's so what you're sad. celebrating? Is someone going to eat poo at this parade as well? Like, it's, <laughs> it's, man, this is. That's going to be the banner they put up uh, next to the LeBron <laughs> yeah. one that they just pulled down. Oh, my God. Yeah. Just, just a Photoshop of <laughs> yeah. Tristan Thompson smacking Draymond from behind. But, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I guess they got Colin Sexton. It is what it is. Like, you can either be high on him or you could be low. I, I'm a little bit lower because he's a 6'2 guard that relies on driving to the rim. And he's kind of not as athletic as you would like for a guy like that. Like, he might be as he might be Bledsoe. He might be, I don't know, I describe Dennis him Smith as Jr. He's not, a, he's not vertical athletic. He's uh, he's horizontal athletic. Like, he's not okay. going to get... Up, 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 and beyond anybody or above anybody, and he's just gonna he's gonna blow past you if anything. But mm. I know what you mean. Like he's not like for he's a not guy like that's, Westbrook. You know what no, I mean? No, no, no. Westbrook was like definitely not. Okay, wow, this guy will just dunk through people. It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. If he's six. He's not gonna. He's gonna he's get like the, that. He's gonna get two free throws instead. Like that's Colin Sexton. He's yeah. gonna get to the free throw line. Um, mm. Overall, I didn't think they had a for a team that lost LeBron. It wasn't like a horrific no, offseason, no, no. right? Like. It's not the end of the world. They have a chance at the eighth seed. I don't think they'll get it. That's probably they'll probably end up like ninth or tenth. Uh, but yeah, no, I see, I see what you mean. They're definitely a loser. I mean, losing LeBron and you're never gonna see you're never gonna sniff the finals again at least right. for a long time. That's that's a loss in itself. And that's the thing. Like, if you decided okay, we need the eighth seed. Like, why did you not? Like, the alternative would have been to move Kevin Love for some future assets and then try to tank so that your top ten protected pick that you traded for Kyle Korver to the Hawks, that you can keep that, right? There was a very viable path for this team to be in the, you know, one of the 10 worst teams in the league, and they chose not to do that. And so, all right, so then you're going to be building from the middle, but then your pieces aren't from the middle aren't, aren't great. So that's that's mainly my beef with the Cavaliers. But, I mean, ultimately, they're not that big of a loser. Like, you know, the, the, the biggest loser in the conference, I think, is the Sixers. But anyway, we're going to take a quick break right here. We're going to come back on the other side, and we will address the winners and losers out west. Welcome back to the second half of the podcast. Still here with Will and Wolfond. Um, we're going to move into the Western Conference winners and losers. But uh, before we do that, a friendly reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It, uh, it's the best way to support the show. And also, a reminder to download the Score app. I mean, it's the best place to find news, um, scores, everything like that. All the pieces that we write are going to be on that site. So please um, download the app. All right, so... Let's start with the winners out west. Wolfon, the Thunder. Yeah, I think we can talk, I mean, about the Warriors and basically how they won just by nobody really closing the gap on them. Yeah, okay, uh, the Warriors won but, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I feel like we've talked about them enough. The Thunder to me... And they got boogie for like $5. So. <laughs> yeah. The Thunder to me were like going into this offseason looking at what could have been a really depressing situation with like Westbrook and Mello there and like no real way to improve their station. And instead, they get off of Melo's money. They re-signed Paul George for three years, um, which is, I don't think anybody expected that. I mean, going into the offseason, there had been some chatter about him signing a one plus one, which seemed realistic, uh, or even a two plus one, at least, so he could re-enter free agency after you know hitting that 10-year threshold. But he gives them at least three years um, with a player option on the fourth, and that is just massive because he, to me, is like a easy, easily a top 15 player in the league. And they didn't have any conceivable way to replace that. Um, so they keep a superstar in his prime uh, who, in theory at least, should be a really, really good partner for Westbrook. And the numbers with those two guys on the floor together last year were really encouraging. 
And I think removing Melo from that mix is going to help them. Um, I think they probably overpaid a little bit for uh, Jeremy Grant, but he was also an important piece. So just having him back on the roster, regardless of cost, I think was a good move. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, this Schroeder trade is interesting to me. And I obviously it's not a seamless fit by any means, but it was never going to be. And if you were going to move Melo and not have it just be a straight salary dump and get something back in return, I feel like they could have done a lot worse than Schroeder. And I'm interested to see how that works out because their bench has just been so bad these last couple of years. Unplayably bad. Anytime Westbrook sits, it's been a disaster. And I feel like Schroeder at least gives them some offensive stability there. He can run the offense. He's a very solid passer. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a good scorer. You know, like he's not super efficient, but like he, gets, guy, he can create a shot. For he can sure. create a shot and he can he get to the rim. He last year. Right? Um, not, he shot like 40% from the field. Yeah, until like 20% from three, no, but it figures, is what it is. Yeah, it's yeah a, a lot of those are definitely empty numbers, but as a guy who can captain, you know, your bench units, and I think you'd hope play alongside Westbrook for at least a few minutes a game. Yeah. That it it's a tough defensive look, but I feel like the Thunder have so many lineups that are going to be monstrous defensively that maybe you can survive that. Yeah. Um they got Nerlens as well, it's not yeah. a bad pickup. I just think, you know, look, a lot of people have made the Reggie Jackson comparison. I think it's apt. Reggie Jackson was a good sixth man for the he Thunder. He was. He just wasn't a good personality fit, right? Right. He, which, which might, could be which, the same with Schroeder. Yeah, which might be I mean, the same Schroeder, The thing with Schroeder is... He like, at least already has his money, though. Right. He has his money. I think that he is a better player than people give him credit for. Mm-hmm. And the reason people don't give him credit for that is because he's one of these players who I feel like has an inflated sense of his own abilities, and that's always a bit of a dangerous situation. And one that tends to put people off of players because um, it, it makes it harder to fit them into a role that they might be best served serving. So... Um, I'm really interested to see what they look like. I think they got better. And I just think, like, having a three-man core of Westbrook, Adams, and Paul George is such a good place to start. Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, just, you know, Westbrook, Adams, pick and roll, flanked by Paul George on the wing. Um, it's, it's really exciting. And, and they're going to be great defensively, I think, as well. So they don't have enough shooting. Uh, I think that's clear. But I, I think they improved. And, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if they were you know, the third best team in the conference, maybe even the second, depending on what the Rockets look like. They were astoundingly better with Roberson on the floor last year. Yeah. Yeah. Remember that. When he was on the floor, they were an elite defensive team, arguably the best defensive team in the NBA. And that was with Melo and Westbrook. Yes. It was insane how effective he was for a guy that you can make a legitimate argument might be the worst offensive player in the NBA. But I, I I do think he has some sort of effect. Like he's not a horrible slasher. You know, but you really, really have to hide him on offense. You don't say mm-hmm. that about a lot of players in the NBA. We also have no idea how good he's going to be coming off of that of injury, course. right? Of like course. That's, that's a pretty severe For injury. Sure. So we'll but if see. he can get close to what he was, that's a huge return for them, as well as getting some sort of bench depth when you add Schroeder. And I'm historically anti-Schroeder. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he should ever be a starter in the NBA. So I think this is a good role for him if he's willing to accept it. But just getting rid of Melo as well, for a guy that just simply did not fit in what they were trying to do, yeah, this, they're definitely a big winner in the offseason. Yeah, for sure. And also, it, like, it's kind of a win for other small market teams, right? Like, the fact that Paul George, like, we all thought it was a foregone conclusion. He's going to go to the Lakers. Like, Magic Johnson's taking fines for it while appearing on Jimmy Kimmel. And I don't know, man. Every single sign looked like he was going to the Lakers. He's from there and everything like that. And all of a sudden, boom, he doesn't go to the Lakers. And, you know... 
if you are a non-marquee franchise, like the Toronto Raptors, for example, I'm sure that factored into their thinking when they traded for Kawhi. It's like, look what um, the Thunder just did with Paul George, right? And so, I don't know. It's it's nice, I think, for the rest of the league, too, because if Paul George had gone to the Lakers, then, I don't know, maybe not the super team forms, and, and the, the Thunder, obviously, are much weaker. Like, it's, it's better for the, the, the actual competitive... Of the, um, it's of definitely the a nice story. Team. That, that part, too, which is, you know, important. Um, Will, you want to talk about the Pelicans, who quietly had a solid offseason despite losing Boogie? I think a part of their solid offseason was losing Boogie. Um, okay. It sounds weird, but he is a fairly ineffective defender, and that's kind of what they needed next to... Like, I think that's a better thing to plug in next to Anthony Davis, who is an elite defender. Mm-hmm. Um, Boogie demands the ball a lot and now you don't have that guy demanding the ball so much and they were a better team after he left like Miritich is obviously nowhere near as good as Boogie but somehow they were so much better with near Miritich as opposed to Boogie and they added Julius Randle who I think when you have a three-man big rotation of Randle, Miritich and Anthony Davis that's a lot better than throwing Boogie into the mix with any of those guys because he just doesn't fit as well. And I, I think that gives them a big improvement. Julius Randle can defend five positions and he looked tremendous with the Lakers last year. It was the best season of his career easily. And I think he could be extremely effective on that roster. And they added Alfred Payton, who uh, on a super cheap deal, just for the minimum, I believe, for him to go back home to play. And um, I mean, he cut his hair, so we don't know how good he's going to be next year. Maybe he's a lot better. Maybe this is the year he takes the leap. But I I don't think he's a downgrade from Rondo. I I don't think Rondo's that great. I think Alfred, who's still young, at least you could see what he could do with some uh, a superstar player for once in his career. Like the best player he's ever played was Devin Booker. It's not a horrible thing, but he played with him for 20 games, I think. Now he gets like a legit two-way elite player that he can start to play next to. And he has Drew Holiday, who, let's not forget, is one of the best two-way players, uh, perimeter players in the NBA. And I mean, if those two stay healthy, they have two all-star caliber players on their roster. You know, they both made all defensive team last year. And uh, I just, I think that they're a team that could be sneaky good, maybe sneak into like, into that five or four spot, maybe make like a second round run. Who knows with them? Like, it depends on where we see uh, Anthony Davis take another leap somehow. You know, he's, he's definitely a top two or three player in the NBA. So I'm, I'm definitely intrigued by that roster. Yeah, the only thing I don't like about the Pelicans is that I feel like they have a bit of a veteran void, and like Rondo was a great leader for them last year, and in the playoffs, he was actually kind of instrumental in just sort of keeping everyone calm and that's getting everyone easy shots. And I think he that's a in big the role against the Blazers. Yeah, exactly. He did. Right. He did. I'll and say so that. Replacing him with Alfred Payton is not quite the same, even though the two of them are pretty much similar in terms of style of play. But I mean, otherwise, yeah, I agree with you. Man. Payton's I mean, nowhere near as good a passer as Rondo. I don't think. That's but, fair. That too. Um, one thing I'll say, like they, that second half run they went on without Boogie, they were playing the fastest pace in the league. Right. They thrived on playing up tempo, and Randall's the guy who's going to help them continue yeah, to do that. The Lakers played a lot of up yeah, tempo yeah. as well. And, you know, especially compared to Boogie, who I think naturally sort of slows you down. Um, Randall's a guy who can kind of grab and go. Uh, he can run the break. He's really, really fast for a guy his size. And so I, I think that's going to be a really good fit. And I do love that three man big rotation uh, of him, Davis, and Miritich. Like you said, you know, Miritich is not as good as Boogie, but he was a better fit for that team, oh, for I think, sure. undeniably. So you got to think they didn't like if if they went ahead and overpaid Boogie, we would have said, I guess they had to do it, and we would have been okay with it and just moved on. Instead, they said, you know what? 
he's coming off a big time injury. We're not going to take that risk. Let's see if he'll take a shorter deal. And he didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. So now they avoided that risk of paying a guy a lot of money that you don't know will come back. Like, you don't know if he's going to come back too healthy. And instead you go with Randall, who's going to be, like we just said, a, probably a much better fit. Yeah, for sure. And look, this team is on a clock, right, When with Anthony Davis, right? They Obviously, everyone's going to be after AD once he becomes a free agent and everything like that. So they have this year where he's under books and he's guaranteed. Next year where he's completely guaranteed. And the year after that is a player option. Chances are pretty good he's going to hit free agency, right? And so if they had signed Boogie to a huge contract, and there would have been a good reason for it. Like, you know, from their perspective, it's probably hard to justify trading, you know, the future assets that they did to the Kings to get Boogie in the first place and then letting him go for nothing. But, I mean, at the same time, if they had clogged their books next season, then there would have been no chance for them to su- surround AD with another player, um, sort of, of like a high-caliber player in the last year where he's completely guaranteed. And so, you know, like, at least they kept their books open. They kept the options open. Obviously, last year's run was pretty successful. They want to build on that. And in the case that it doesn't work, they still give themselves a little bit of an out because they could carve out max cap room next summer. And who knows? Maybe they can convince somebody to come down and join AD. It's not so bad to play with Anthony Davis and be in New Orleans all the time. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, I think it, they made a difficult move there. But they made the right choice in, in letting uh, – Cousins walk for me. I don't. I can't believe you guys didn't mention this. The Lakers. I mean, they got LeBron. So end of story. Obviously, the rest of the moves are strange to say the very least. But they got LeBron. They uh, got Lakers exceptionalism back on track. If they can recruit the best player in the game simply because of them being the Lakers, um, then that's something. And also, you know, expectations are pretty low. So Lakers fans are probably going to be happy just making the playoffs, which you know is. That's what you want out of an offseason, to get, like, the best player in the league and somehow still keep expectations low. How do you do that? By signing KCP, who, you know, Luke Walton doesn't like, and then also all these other random players. It just doesn't make any sense to me. But at the same time, you got LeBron. That's it. You That's won. all yeah. that matters. That's they got LeBron. Matters. They kept all their young guys. Um, and, you know, it's not like any of their free agency targets, um, for next year at least, are completely locked in. It's not like Clay signed an extension or anything like that. And so... I liked one quote that somebody said. It was uh, it was in the McMenamin piece, and he co- it was somebody. I think it was an executive. He said, "LeBron didn't sign with the Lakers. He signed with LA. He went just because he wants to be in LA. It has nothing to do with the Lakers itself. Yo, the Clippers <laughs> exist, wow. man. I, want, I, I We're wonder not which, about the Clippers here. <laughs> I wonder which salty Cavaliers employee told <laughs> McMenamin that. Probably that in quote. Comic Sans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> LeBron left because he's a coward. <laughs> yep. He doesn't want to come back and win again with Tristan Thompson and J.R. Smith. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Moving on to the losers. Wolfon. This was a pretty popular one, but uh, the Houston Rockets, you feel like they haven't really done enough this summer. Well, I, I think it, for me it's the exact same as what I said about the Sixers in that there were teams that had worse offseasons in the West, I think. But for the Rockets, who were by far the closest team to taking down Golden State last year, really the only team that I think had any kind of a chance whatsoever. Mm-hmm. More than any team in the league, like they have one goal, like they're chasing the Warriors, and that is it. And I just think they got further away rather than closer this offseason, and that's why they're a loser. Like, I don't know that they could have done anything differently or better. Um, I, maybe Ariza just wanted to leave, uh, they weren't meeting his price. I mean, he's not young. And so I guess they didn't want to lock him into a deal, especially when they're already in the tax. But 
to lose him is huge. Losing Mbamute, I mean... That one was just strange. They could have given that same contract. They just chose not to. I know. So I'd rather have him uh, than Melo. Yeah. I mean, I honest, for that roster... You'd rather have Mbamute over Melo? On that team. On that team. You can give Mbamute like a month to score 100 points. And like <laughs> Mbamute might be more playable against the Warriors yeah. than Melo. And that's the point, right? Like, they don't... They don't need to care about what happens in the regular season. They need to care about having players who can switch, who can stay on the floor against Golden State. I don't know if Melo can stay on the floor against Golden State. But they got Michael Carter-Williams, though. (laughs) Do you really need a third isolation player? Unless If he comes off the bench, that's great. You don't have to close out games with him either. But if he's starting, do you really need a third guy that's going to want to pound the ball and... No, I mean, look, it, they can start him, but just play him like 20 minutes a game and not more. Is he going to want that, though? Well, who, how care, happy, who I know, cares? But I'm saying, like, he already has a salty relationship with the coach. I'm just him saying, and D'Antoni like, didn't end on a good note in yeah. New York, Well, right? D'Antoni's come around to ISO ball, so you know, maybe he'll be more, true. Am- more amenable true. to Melo this that's time around. That's a good around, point. D'Antoni is just D'Antoni in name right now, to be honest, because, yeah, yeah this is nothing like what D'Antoni used to run. Um, the Rockets is now the definition of pound the rock, shameless plug. No, shout out pound the rock. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, but look, I, I think they're still going to be really good. I just think, you know, like given what they needed to do, which mm-hmm. is try and close the gap on the Warriors in whatever way they can, they failed this offseason. And I like James Ennis as a pickup, but I don't know how much he's moving the needle. And I think losing the guys they lost is going to hurt. And Melo might help them be better in the regular season because, you know, against 25 teams in the league, he'll still be a plus player. Against Golden State, against the best, best teams, like, he's not going to be able to stay on the floor. Uh, like, he got played off the floor by the Jazz. So what are the Warriors <laughs> going to do to him? Like, it's... Yeah, that's so, going to be rough. So that's my feeling. And, um, you know, uh, I, I, I like a lot of the things they did. The Chris Paul contract, while it may look ugly on the back end, was a necessary move. I think they got Capella on a great deal. Agreed. So they did a lot of Terrific. things well, but at the end of the day, I think I think the gap got wider. So I am a fan of the James Ennis deal, though. Yeah, I, Yo, I do. We might also be talking up James Ennis a little bit too much. I know, but like, come on. Man. Remember who he played for, though. This is a career Shut. journeyman. He played for your Heat. Remember that? No, I know, maybe. but we're here talking about Trevor Ariza and Luke Mbamute, so... <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's not all... like Ennis is like a knockdown shooter, necessarily, like... 36% career yeah. he's a good, on two attempts a game. Like, he's a good not, defender, though. He is. Yeah, he could. He I just think, you know, with, with a, a team better, like the Rockets, you're talking yeah. about marginal upgrades. Yeah, and, that's true. Yeah, for sure. Know. Better um, than playing for the Grizzlies, right? This is He's going to have better opportunities here to, to flourish. Yeah. I mean, look, the biggest addition they need to make is, like, just somehow keeping Chris Paul healthy in the playoffs. Because the last couple of times Chris Paul goes to the playoffs, he gets too close, and then he gets hurt, and then it's over. Like, yeah, you just you just if you could somehow keep him healthy, maybe you know we'd be talking about the Rockets completely different light. Um, whoa, you want to talk about the Timberwolves? All right, I need you guys to answer this question. Okay, who was the better pickup? And these are the two big pickups of, for the Wolves. Yeah, was it Derrick Rose or Anthony Tolliver? Definitely Anthony Tolliver. Think of how sad it is that this is. This is what we're talking about right now. This is exactly why I'm picking the Wolves for just an absolutely disastrous... Uh, not that they were going to do anything crazy this offseason. At the end of the day, they didn't have money to spend. And they got to worry about keeping Cat. Like, later on, they got to overpay him eventually. I shouldn't say overpay. He's definitely worth the money. He's very good when he's not playing for Tibbs. But you got you to pay him the money. And you got to hope that you can try to sign Jimmy Butler on a long-term deal, which will not happen. Mm. This is probably the last year that Jimmy Butler plays there. He's already unhappy with the two youngsters. He's not happy with the work ethic of Cat or Wiggins. Um, You signed Derrick Rose, who had a good postseason, but now he's taking minutes away from arguably the guy that played the best at point guard during the season was Tyus Jones. He played 
he was he was really good in the season. He just didn't get enough minutes because Tibbs did not like him for some strange reason. So now you're going to have a lot of Derrick Rose minutes, which I'm, I'm sure the Derrick Rose stands will be happy about that. They're going to win maybe 46, 47 games. They'll probably get to the playoffs. They were really good last year before Jimmy got hurt. But how far is that going to get them? Is that going to get them to the playoffs the season after? Probably not because they might not even have him there, Jimmy, mm. uh, Jimmy Butler there next season or the season after. Like You don't know what they're, what they're going to do later on because they traded away three half-decent players like they got rid of Levine whatever and now he's overpaid <laughs> we'll ignore that but like Laurie's a really nice player and yeah. Chris Dunn could do some things and you didn't have you didn't give him a chance to really try to develop under that system and now you have nothing out of it most likely right like after this year what are you really going to end up with uh, it's hard to argue with all that but don't forget they added Kata Bates job <laughs> <laughs> who is who will be a nice rookie he should be at least theoretically sure theoretically. he's like 26 years old already that's cool um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, the Wolves. Not a lot of good things. Not a lot of good things coming out of that franchise, especially since like you, you have the owner saying like, "I still believe in Andrew Wiggins," and it's just like, man, it's, it's sad that you even had to say that before the it's extension ex- even yeah. kicked in. Yeah, um, he's expensive now. Yeah, I, look, the Butler thing is tough, right? Because I think if you had a regular GM then who isn't also the coach, you might look towards um, trading him right now and try to flipping him and recouping some value before uh he walks but like the the coach is also the gym and the coach is never going to sabotage his own his own situation like that right especially if it's a former bull and it's tips like tips will do anything to get these former bulls if they're in the seven or eight spot in in the playoff run you should trade them at that point but but they probably won't they're going to look at it as we have a chance at the playoffs again this doesn't happen to us very often let's keep him And that's not going to turn out very well for them because then you're just going to walk and then you're going to end up with nothing again. And there's another potential decade of no postseason appearances if you mess up the cat situation. If you if Tibbs does not work well with uh, with cat, then what do you have in the future? You can't just rely on Andrew Wiggins to become that guy. We I think I think they should trade Butler honestly. Like I agree and. It sucks that this but, I mean, is the like, situation. Okay, it's, and it's also tough for them to trade Butler, admittedly. 100% it's tough for them to trade Butler. They are not good without Butler. They were yeah, really, really bad, bad without him on the floor last yes. year. But the reality of the situation is they have hitched their wagon to Andrew Wiggins. That contract is going to be really hard to trade. They're kind of stuck with him, and they're going to be stuck with Cat too. And what they need to be doing, I think, is figuring out a way to make it work with those guys and building around them. And there is just too much overlap between Jimmy and Wiggins like, I just don't think that's ever going to work out. And I think Butler probably senses that to some degree, at least in, in the sense of, like, personality clash, because he's clearly not happy with the way that locker room operated last year yeah. and the commitment level from uh, from Wiggins and Towns. So I think the writing is on the wall. Like, with a full year left on his deal, he's got a lot of trade value, and that's only going to diminish as time goes on. So I, I do think they should be exploring that. I also agree with you that <laughs> Tibbs is not going to look into it because... First of all, he loves Jimmy, and he's coached him for so long. And second of all, like, yeah, he's the coach, and he's not going to want to sabotage sabotage the team. And if they trade him, they're going to be bad. They do are. you do you fire Tibbs after the year if they end up with another first round exit? Let's say if they get into the playoffs, West is deep; they might not make it. But yeah, that's tough. I think they they should because it's not even like necessarily Tibbs' fault. He's just, he's just an awful fit for yeah. this franchise. They need a developmental type of coach to sort of get the best out of the young guys and show a little bit of patience. Whereas Tibbs is like, win now, win every game, play, you know, 
lead the league in minutes, play 49 minutes a game. Like, it's, But if it's it was wild, up to man. Tibbs, he would start Taj Gibson at the five and bring Cat oh, off the bench God. for like 15 minutes. Like that's, that's Tibbs. He does weird things and he wants like oh, hard, gritty players and he's not willing to yeah. work Taj with Gibson guys like was, First of all, Taj Gibson was really good last he year. He was. No, no. Yeah. He was great last year, but yeah. he's not Cat. He's not no. Cat for you guys, right? Like that's... That's the thing. You no, need, 100%. You need Kat but, to become the guy. But so this is what I wonder. I mean, do you want to keep bringing in these hard-nosed guys like Jimmy Butler and Taj Gibson who are going to demand, you know, a certain level of compete from those young guys who maybe aren't ready to rise to that level? Or do you want guys who can vibe with them a little bit more? Like, you know, is, is what they need a guy like Tibbs who's going to grind them every single day? Or do they need somebody who's a little bit more laid back? Like, I don't... I'm not really in a position to say, mm-hmm. but... It's clear to me from everything that has come out of that locker room that that the, the compete level isn't quite there, and and the fit isn't there with Jimmy Butler. Maybe the fit isn't there with Tibbs either, because there have been reports that he and Cat didn't really have a great relationship last year. So, at the end of the day, like like I said, like those are the guys that you have committed to. And I haven't committed to Cat yet, but they're going to. Um, I think you know you have to start building your team with those guys in mind, and and maybe that means Tibbs isn't there. Maybe he fires himself. He keeps his GM job, <laughs> and he's not coaching anymore. That or, would be somehow worse. <laughs> that would be worse. He's a better. Or coach maybe it's than the other way is. around. But but I think you know he's pretty much the last of that breed of, of executive slash coach. So well, he did get lucky with that Bulls roster though. Like they, there was a lot of guys on that team that just suited the way that he needed. No, he inherited a really good team and he maximized. Did. He did it, for sure. He did. But he also thing, revolutionized but, NBA defense. So yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, but that's the thing with revolutions. You like you introduce a revolution that everyone copies it, and it's about who does the next thing. Yeah. Right. So you know he kind of looks like an old like he looks outdated. He does. uh, Everything about him. It's true. All right. Last thing. Uh, Last loser. I'm going to go with the Sacramento Kings. Uh, Look, I don't want to kick Kings fans while they're down, but it hasn't been a very fun offseason. The Kings were one of the very few teams. You can just say kick Kings fans, by the way. You don't have to add the when they're down. Yeah, that's true. That's true. (laughs) They've never really been up. Um, Look, Kings fans, you guys had a lot of cap room. You probably weren't going to sign anyone necessarily of consequence, but maybe you add somebody just to – supplement the talent you've been trying to get the shooting guard it hasn't really worked out you're linked to every single restricted free agent it's probably just for leverage zach levine used you for leverage you've signed him to a regrettable deal and chicago at least matched it so they took it off your hands but still if you're sacramento you probably would have rather had zach levine than have it get matched uh the bagley thing Look, I don't want to read too much out of Summer League, but, man, Bagley looked terrible. Oh, man, he Derek terrible. Jones Jr. held him to one point. Derek Jones Jr. Oh. is maybe 160 pounds. He's like 6'7", 160 pounds, and he yep. shut him down in the post. Yep. Uh, teams have already figured out that Bagley only wants to go to his left hand, so they're just completely sitting on it. He's not going to the right hand. Uh, he's not defending well. He's, his spacing was bored. I mean, again, this is all Summer League, right? But these are all concerns that Bagley had on him. And the thing is... Bagley, let's be let's be real. How much of Bagley being taken was the fact that Sacramento actually was like, wow, he's the one guy that actually came in and worked out for us. We'll take him because he 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 he's shown us respect. Instead of like, well, maybe we should just roll the dice on Doncic. Well, Doncic couldn't go see you guys because he was busy winning championships. Like, right, there's a big difference. Like, oh man, that 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 report when it first came out just looked so bad. Where it was like Vladi skipped the Euroleague semifinals to 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 watch his son's graduation. So that's Vladi's fault. That's nah, not- <laughs> as it turns out. As it turns out, Vladi was there. He, he was. was, back he was. And that's forth, right. But, I right. mean, like, let's not shame a guy for being a good father. That's true. <laughs> okay, that's true. Shout out Vladi. But I mean, the rest of these moves as a, as a GM, not a good GM. 
Um, yeah, I mean, look, Bagley doesn't look great. I'll say that much. All right, doesn't look great. Uh, obviously, he's young, but still, number two pick. You don't want to screw that up. You want you like moved up in the lottery, and then you took Bagley. Bro, they uh, got Ben McLemore back, man. How oh are you God. saying that they didn't get the shooting guard they need? Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh they, yeah. Anytime you get Ben McLemore two times, like, you got to do it. Um, <laughs> I do think that the yeah. Bulls matching that offer sheet for Levine was the biggest win of Sacramento's offseason. I agree with that. No. I agree with that. Also, No, no, no. no. Hold on. The biggest win of Sacramento's offseason was stealing <laughs> right. Nemanja Bialica from... <laughs> Let me just say, in Will's notes, it literally says, Biggest Coop was stealing Bielitsa for a way bigger deal than he signed LMAO. It literally says that in his notes. (laughs) I mean, look, anytime you can steal Bielitsa from a team by paying him... Like $16 million more than what he was previously offered. You have to do it. And, and if you need Bielitsa to create this fake rumor of like, man, I might go back to Serbia. Who knows? Oh, wow. And then Vladi this. has the Serbian connection with him too. I mean, sure, why not? Bielitsa, I mean, I guess he's he's fine. He's fine. The Wolves lost Bielitsa. That's a legit loss for the Wolves. Yeah, it is. Um, but in terms of, you know, when you're the Kings, you need young players to, you know, supplement your roster. And they just haven't had... The ability to go out and get that shooting guard. Maybe they somehow land with Rodney Hood. Who knows? But I don't know, man. It's just not looking great for Sacramento. I mean, it never looks great for Sacramento, but it's especially not looking great for Sacramento right to now. To be fair, they're kind of taking the, the Warriors route, so it could what? work out for them. Um, they have eight big men on the roster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, so I mean, we'll see how they fit all those guys in. It doesn't make any sense because now you have Marvin Bagley, you have Zach Randolph, who was unfortunately mm-hmm. your leading scorer last year. You have Harry Giles, who you have to play. Yeah, People hey, like hey, Harry Giles in the league. Yeah, he was Harry really Giles nice. can move. He can yeah. physically move, yeah. which is a plus because yeah. he came in more injured than almost any he other. He had like ever. negative twelve knees, like yeah. so. It's very impressive. He looked really good in summer league. So hopefully that works out for them. Mm. But uh, that's that's to be seen. And this is the thing, like, yo, if you have all this cap room, like, at least try to do what other teams are doing, like the Hawks or like the Nets have been doing for a while, which is just like take on some bad deals, you know, recycle that money, get some extra picks, and they really haven't done that. Like, they took in an extra second round pick in that Ben McLemore deal, but like, I don't think the Kings should do that because those <laughs> picks are worthless in the Kings' hands. So <laughs> this is true. But is instead true. of instead of taking on contracts, they just sign their own. They signed Zach Randolph for twenty four million. They signed they yeah. signed George Hill for fifty million or whatever it was last offseason, right? Like they're doing it themselves instead of getting picks and assets. They're just going ahead and signing those contracts that teams want to trade. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. And they took on Deonta Davis, who I think they probably think of it as, wow, that's a first round pick we just got for free. Like you have so many big men, yeah, so, so many. many. <laughs> Even if you don't play Zach Randolph, who is their best big man, or Costa Kufos, who's probably their second best, it's Bagley. Bielitsa's a four. Colley Stein, who is, should actually is, is a solid player. He should, he probably should play be a rotation else. player. Actually, CJ McCollum and Kevin Durant were tooting his horn and just talking him up oh, yeah. so much on their podcast. They were wow. talking about how he should be the next big that makes the that takes the leap. But I mean, how Colley is he ever going to do that on this roster? Colley Stein was saying that he has all the same moves as Chris Tapps. Okay, he just doesn't get to do them. <laughs> let's relax on that, baby. <laughs> <laughs> he might he, he might have to be on the Wizards for that attitude. Yeah. Also, the Kings don't even have a, their draft pick next year. Yes. So. Oh yeah, that's it is right. It's actually top with one the protected. Yes. Although this team could really contend for number one. No, but I think it's teams. top one protected, but from the Sixers. Like oh, the Sixers okay. keep it if it's number yes. one. The Kings don't what? get it in any situation. So they're 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 screwed next year. Is what you're saying? Oh, they're boned. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Man. That's a good thing they took Marvin Bagley then. <laughs> God, look at this team, man. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. 
Well, that does Sorry, it for the Kings podcast, fans. guys. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, Kings fans, I don't know why you're still holding it on. Like, I mean, the Georgios Papayanis thing too, by the way, that was also funny. The, <laughs> yeah. Like when he left the league, it was like everyone was like, "Yo, we have no idea why Georgios Papayanis was a first round pick or even in the NBA at all." Was like, he not a lottery pick? Yeah, he, he was, was the 13th, 13th overall. Pick, yeah, Demarcus Cousins was watching that draft and tweeted out, "Lord, give me the strength." Yo, he was doing hot yoga, man. <laughs> Right. That's right, yeah. Just like Eric Bledsoe was at the hair salon. Anyway, that does it for the podcast. We'll be back next week to discuss other things. I don't know. The offseason is going to be a little bit tough. We might have to get a little bit creative in terms of creating content. But uh, big big ups to Will for coming in and replacing Cash. Um, Wolf on, you know, you're the only one that I can rely on, apparently. Um, unless, unless he's having dental I n- issues. I, I never go anywhere. Yeah, I'm always here. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, enjoy the Rogers Cup this weekend. Thank you. Yeah, look out for... Wolfon's tennis content, which, I mean, look, I don't want to toot your horn too much, but your tennis content up there with anybody else ever. Um, and you can find that on the Score app. And also a reminder to please support the show by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. And, uh, yeah, that does for this week's show, and we'll be back next week.